Hello, it's Katrina Cobb here to share a, another wonderful story of a successful six-figure freelancer. We're here with Sara today and can't wait to hear all about what she's been up to and how she got to where she is. So Sara, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what did you do? Hi, Katrina. Um, my name's Sara. Thank you for having me on. Um, I am a motion graphics designer and illustrator based uh, mostly in Melbourne, but um, I go between Melbourne and um, Seattle in Washington. Um, and my, my business, I work for myself, so I'm very lucky to have clients sort of spread all over the world and be able to be a little bit of a nomad with it as well. Excellent. And tell us about your business. So what industry are you in? What have you been up to? So industry, I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of, it's a motion graphics is a funny industry because it's very, very new. Um, so I feel like I'm adjacent to a lot of different industries, um, mainly marketing and content um, and a little bit of education as well. And, and increasingly more education. People are sort of becoming aware of how powerful video is as a learning tool um, <laughs> And not just a selling tool, but just as an engagement tool and a storytelling tool. So I think my industry is a funny one. So yes, it's a motion graphics industry and it's a creative industry, but it's, I see it as a supporting industry to, to a lot of other worlds. Perfect. Tons of crossover. So as far as your business goes, how long have you been freelancing or running your own show? I've actually never had a real job. I've <laughs> <laughs> So this is sort of my second career. Um, I initially, I spent about 10 years working in TV. So art directing and prop building and sort of slowly moved over. Uh, my background's more illustration. So I slowly moved over into um, designing props for, designing historical props for art department, which became a lot of graphic design and a lot of, you know, making cigarette packets from the 70s and recreating <laughs> that kind of thing and newspaper covers from the seventies and just slowly got more and more into sort of very creative graphic design, but graphic design um, and sort of got burned out with the, the film and TV hours. Like it's, it's fun when you're in your twenties and you work on location and you're working you know, 80 hours a week with you, with your mate. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, it's, I think when I hit my early thirties, so this is, this is, too hard like this is too much of a, a there's no there's work there's only work there's no life so I retrained in um I studied motion graphics probably about five years ago and I think okay. my timing was perfect it was just when the um the creative industry as a whole was just kind of going what's this and how can we use it um but it was still very, very new where there were sort of no rules. There was sort of no boxes that I had to fit into. So I was, I was very lucky that I came to the discipline at a time where you could kind of make it your own. Um, and there were no rules, so there were no rules to be, to be broken. So you could kind of, I feel like, um, make things up as you went along and use the technology um, as you decided you wanted to use it, I guess. That's fantastic. So that was five yeah. years ago you said that you decided to study and make the shift and you've been doing this ever since or was there a little bit of crossover where you were still kind of doing both before you shifted fully into like the motion I, graphics? I, yeah, I sort of, I had this funny transitionary period, which again was luck. 
a little bit of luck and a little bit of knowing the right people um, where I actually, my first motion graphics job was post-production on a, a long-running TV show here in Australia. So it was kind of, it was the perfect crossover where I knew the production cycle, I knew the TV industry, but the actual work I was doing was quite different. So I could kind of, I was comfortable um, uh, and I knew, I kind of knew what I was doing, but could also do something completely different if that makes any sense whatsoever. Very cool. So same industry, yeah. different, different role, but lots of the same context. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that How was did... a really nice sort of transition. Perfect. How did that first transition of like being able to do this new work you just studied feel in terms of the difference from the all work and no play kind of scenario you'd been in? Did it feel any different? Uh, completely different. I could go to work, like I could, I could work Monday to Friday, nine to five. I had weekends, I had evenings, I had to I could plan, like I could, I could go, I know I'm not going to be dragged out on a shoot on location or the shoot's going to go over time. I, can, I know I'm going to be able to meet you for dinner or, or go away for the weekend and not be exhausted. And, and yeah, it was like a whole new world, whole new human. Whole new world. I Mentally and, and physically, my health uh, suffered, I think. Just, I was just mentally and emotionally and physically burned out at the end of my sort of production career so and I didn't realize until I left mm. so that was a biggie yeah okay. yeah that's a fun mm. fun realization I think some of us have been in a similar spot not realizing what a full night's I, sleep is like or, so. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> or okay. eating a meal at a table sitting down and taking yeah. time rather than eating it over the sink because you've got you've got to get somewhere yeah yep Okay. Well, I'd love to talk numbers for a minute and just kind of share the business end of your journey because that's where we have so many questions and nobody sure. quite likes to talk about it. So we're going to talk about it. Um, so sure. let's, talk, let's talk high level. So last year, what, what did you gross in the business? This year, I'm on track to be a little bit more, probably around the, the 165, I think. Excellent. Um, we so, work on... on a different financial year here. Yeah, it's calendar years versus fiscal years, totally. So how many hours a week do you actually have to work to earn that level of income in your particular job right now? Exactly, yeah. Like I very rarely work over 40 hours. Um, I think the key to that is working smarter rather than just churning stuff out, like being smarter about, about the projects that I choose and the people I choose to work with. and how I schedule them. Um, because I know if I work a 10 hour day, I'm really only getting seven productive hours out of it. That's super fantastic. So thinking back to the first month when you were fully into this new, this new business, this new industry, this new motion graphics, do you remember what you made mm -hmm. the first month as a freelancer? Oh, zero, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> my, first, my first project was, a, um, was pro bono for a, a social enterprise that a friend is CEO of and I just went I, I have an idea can I try it and she just went go nuts go for it and I made absolutely nothing from it except a, a, like a good portfolio piece well what I thought was a good portfolio piece then which is <laughs> awful now but yeah. that's fantastic so compare that to for instance last month what you did in your business what's the growth been like uh, last quarter I billed um, just over 50k Awesome. Okay. So 16, yeah. 17k a month. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. That's quite the journey. So that's, that's quite the journey when you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So if you're doing 16 or 17K months on average, how many hours a week are you typically working to actually earn that? Can you break down how you're spending your time and, and how you manage that? Sure. Um, I'm, I, so per week I work uh, less than 40 hours, usually between 30 and 40 hours, um, mainly because I've learned um, that I'm not productive beyond that. I'm not productive beyond six or seven hours a day tops. So if I work a 10 hour day, then the next day I have to redo some of my work because it's not, it's just not good enough. So there's, there's no point burning myself out. So, you know, I'm very much nine to five, five o'clock, five thirty. go home, read a book, have a look at other people's work, you know, get, get that recharge and it just makes the next day fresher and more productive. So I'm not a, yeah, I'm not a big fan of just of the crunch of just, you know, working and working and working because it's, you know, 50% of that work is going to be no good. I think that is probably one of the smartest pieces of advice I've heard. <laughs> Thank you for that. Super fantastic. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit more about kind of the nuts and bolts of what got you to this, this level of success. Mm -hmm. Did you have to change the way you thought about packaging or pricing your services or is there anything special that you do to make sure you're earning what you're worth that allows you to have this level of success? Um, I think that's, that's always going to be a really tough one is deciding what you're worth. And I think creatives are probably the worst at that. Um, and uh, I, I'm a little bit biased because creatives feel like they're the, we're the ones that get asked to work for free so much. Mm -hmm. So having that conversation never gets easier. Like having the conversation, this is my rate. I don't discount. I'm very, very strict about I don't discount my rate unless you're a charity or a not-for-profit and then I'll work pro bono. There's, there's, there's all or nothing. In between. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. As, and especially, for example, I had a, a business contact me last week saying we need a two-minute animation done and we've only got $500 budget. I'm like, well, that will cover maybe 20 seconds. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a business, you're a business. Why should I sacrifice my time and income to line your pockets unless you're a charity and it's for the social good or the environmental good or, or something like that. I think that's but great that's, that's been the journey to get there. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Not so easy yeah. to put a price tag to things that you personally do as a service provider. No. That can be no. For sure. Okay. Mm. So with your packaging, is it mostly like per project basis? Do you do it per hour, per length mm -hmm. of the motion video? Does it depend on the project? Totally depends on the project. Like no two projects are the same. So, I okay. mean, a two-minute two video that is all text-based is a completely different story to a two-minute video that has, you know, a hundred different little intricate characters that are all interacting. So it's, um, it's all project-based and I get okay. as much information as I can from the client before I quote. And then I give them as much information as I can back and say, okay, this is my understanding of your quote. Here are some examples that we can use as, as references. Here's kind of a high and a low. Um, here's my quote broken down into sections. So you can see exactly where the time and the money is going. Um, okay. Because occasionally to save money, they might be able to handle possibly some of the design in-house or some of the script writing or the sound design or something like that. So if they can... And it also builds a bit of trust right from the start as well. It's like they know exactly where their money's going. Um, and the businesses I work for are, are more small and medium-sized, so they don't have 
money just to throw at a project. They need to yeah. be smart about where they're spending yeah. their money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So I know you said your first client came from the project you worked on before in production and that circle yes. of influence. Where do you get your clients now? How do you find clients? How do you find new work? 99% of it is word of mouth and referrals. Um, I have a couple of clients in particular who I call sneezes where I work for them once and they just spread, like they spread my work <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> that is a fantastic analogy. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how they feel about being called sneezes, but <laughs> yeah, Perfect. so it's most of it is, is word of mouth. Okay. Have you found over these last four to five years that you kind of got a, a best client type? after working with many different businesses? Uh, yeah, I think so, but it's, it's quite hard to define because my clients are, are fairly different industries. So I, I haven't been able to sort of say, well, my favorite clients are in healthcare or finance mm -hmm. or whatever. I, I, yeah, yes, but I, I don't know if I could give you an answer about what that type is. Okay, so it's not a certain size, yeah. it's a certain type of project or a certain industry. It just depends on the project specifically. I guess, the, I guess my sweet spot is possibly small to medium businesses that don't have a huge marketing budget, so don't necessarily have the funds to engage, say, a big agency where okay. um, I don't have the overheads of an agency so I can kind of make their money go a bit further. So I, I guess okay. that type of client is probably my sweet spot. Awesome. Um, okay. But in saying that, I, I do a lot of work for Pfizer, so, you know. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, work for Fiverr, like, uh, Fiverr is a company, you get work Sorry, for no, Fiverr. No, Pfizer. Pfizer, oh, Pfizer. Fiverr. Just kidding. I was yeah. like, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely not Fiverr. <laughs> uh, most of my six figures, yeah, they're not on the Upworks and the Fiverrs. They're, oh, they're I wouldn't, I wouldn't so. touch them. No, no. It's yeah, a race to the bottom, in my opinion. <laughs> Well, and that's unfortunately, it becomes a bit of a bloodbath, yeah, with underbidding and yeah. the opposite of what allows you to really give your best service and, and deliver. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I know they, they, they fill a space for, for, for certain industries and certain totally. contractors, but yeah, not, not for me. Okay. No, that's super fair. Uh, do you use any certain positioning when you're talking with prospective clients that sort of helps you market yourself or compare you to other competitors in the world? Um, not overtly. Um, I think probably the difference, I mean, because most of my work is by referral, kind of half of that work is already done when they come to me, which mm -hmm. is, is lucky. Um, I think the difference, uh, well, I don't know if there's a difference, but I just try and ask them, as many questions as possible and try and get a sense of whether maybe I need to engage, uh, go back a step and engage a strategist and go, okay, you want an animation, but how about we go back and look at your website because, you know, you designed it 10 years ago and it looks like you designed it 10 years ago. So how about we build that up first and that'll be a good place to put an animation. So I think, I think my, my general default position is to, to listen to them rather than go, I want to do a pro I, I just, I want to do this for me, um, which is not rocket science. <laughs> <laughs> no, not necessarily, but it makes sense all the same. So mm. more questions about kind of how you've managed this growth from zero per month to 16, 17 K <laughs> months and 
140K a year, I think you said, and growing from there. Mm -hmm. What, or did you have any help? Did you have any coaching or mentorship to help you run the business end of this along the way? Um, not directly, but I, I mean, I've got an amazing network of, of freelancers who I work in a co-working space and it's mainly mm -hmm. freelancers here. A lot of my friends are um, freelancers in their own discipline. So I kind of had that, I guess, um, I could, I could see other people making it a success and, and Perfect. doing really well from it. So I could, I had kind of like, it's that old thing of, you know, what you can see, you can be. So and, and going back to motion design being a really new field, there's kind of, it's starting to get, um, it's starting to change now. But when I sort of started out, there weren't a lot of people who were kind of at the top of the game yet. And the ones that were, weren't that visible, perhaps, hmm. um, where the community is sort of growing and there's a lot more people who are, are coming out and kind of going, right, well, we, let's, let's bring the whole community in and, <clears throat> and share knowledge and, and create some really great training courses and, and that sort of thing. So starting to kind of find more people that I'm following their careers, maybe a little bit one-sidedly as mentors, I guess. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, in such a new field, I know many, many freelancers and independents, especially on the women's side, well, any business really, struggle a little bit with kind of this imposter syndrome thinking oh, they're not gosh <laughs> have anything oh, to add on that topic 100 yes <laughs> and i don't think i don't think you ever get rid of it especially as a creative i think it's just it's something you you learn to kind of i don't know i think you learn to talk louder than your imposter syndrome perhaps okay. rather than than get rid of it you just you, you learn to kind of shout over it or learn to make it quiet down something but it's it's always there and I think it's a good thing I think it's I think it makes you look at your work objectively and look at it kind of from the outside and and put it in the context of the real world and go okay where does my work sit with people I know who are just starting out and people whose career I've been following for years and I know they're you know they're top of the game where where am I in this and what have I still got to learn and how far have I come so I think I think you can trick your imposter syndrome into becoming a little a, a friend, I guess. That's an awesome perspective. Okay. Using <laughs> it to make yourself sharper. And have a little yeah. yeah. No, I love yeah. it. Yeah, that's a struggle, yeah. and I, I agree. I don't think you ever outgrow it, especially in well, anything that you're personally investing your own time, energy, and creative spirit into. There's no, and I'm, I'm in amazed. There. I'm amazed at some of, and I think it's. I, I don't know, but I think it's it's probably um women are probably more prone to it perhaps um, at least we own up to it yeah <laughs> yeah right um but i'm amazed at the, the who i see as very accomplished incredibly intelligent intelligent and talented women and they have imposter syndrome it's what like from the outside they, they have nothing to be worried about yeah cool is there any other, speaking of systems, systems in terms of managing your business that have helped you to set those great time boundaries, like have that little bit of work-life balance, um, work through your projects and work with your clients a little more efficiently? Mm -hmm. um, pretty simple. I have, when I quote uh, for a client, I have them sign off on my, my terms and conditions and I just put my contactable hours on my terms and conditions. So I'm, I'm contactable between 8.30 and 6 o'clock, Monday to Friday. And it, oh, wow. it, 
yeah, it, it kind of has this secondary effect of if I get an email from a client at 10 o'clock on a Thursday night, I go, hmm, it's outside my hours. I'm not going to answer it. Like it, it kind of, it wasn't my intention to kind of restrict myself to those hours necessarily, but it, it has worked that way. So. That's some healthy boundaries and that's okay. I love that you do it up front on the contract and just set the expectations for communication mm-hmm. up front. I think that's an awesome skill. Do you ever experience, especially in your projects, any kind of scope creep or any sort of changes to the project that you have to address to protect your... Yeah, that's, that's sometimes inevitable, but again, it comes back to just being completely transparent with my clients and saying, well, look, this is... Um, and the, the way I work is very sort of logical. You know, we sign off the script first, we sign off the, the staff, excuse me, the style frames and the storyboards second, and then we animate. So if anything changes kind of within those, and I'm, I'm very clear about those up front, if anything changes in those um, sections, I guess, and we have to kind of backtrack then that's outside the scope. So we need to sort of have a discussion about how we address that. Um, And it just comes back to being transparent and just being upfront. And I'm a business, my client is a business, like it's a, it's a transaction at the end of the day. So I don't want any funny business from them. So I like to, to reciprocate. Perfect. Okay. Hmm. Well now, now that you've reached this level, we're earning six figures as a freelancer, which is fantastic, doing something mm-hmm. you have a ton of fun doing, I can tell. How do we feel about life and business compared to where you were five years ago? Um, completely different, yeah. I, I, I had a conversation with, I mean, look, the, the grass is always greener. Every now and then I go, maybe I should just go work in an agency and, and there's probably a lot of skills that I don't have that I would only learn in an agency, but then I go, I just... I can't work for someone else. I can't be, I can't, I'm not a clock in, clock out kind of person. I don't want to kind of, it's not an accountability thing. It's, it's hard to explain. It's a little bit selfish, but. Yeah, it's, it's a version it's, of freedom, I think, when you get to call the shots, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, and it's, it's assuming a lot of the risk of calling the shots as well, of course. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what keeps me uh, learning and upskilling and, and, and growing within what I do as well so again like the imposter syndrome I, I like to to kind of turn that back on itself and go okay you know all this work is coming out like this is this is kind of the new trend in motion graphics um you're not quite on it yet so let's get on it let's kind of keep up with it and and um you know keep ahead of the game excellent okay hmm. So back to kind of numbers as one of the measures of success. Mm-hmm. Now that you've had a couple of years under your belt, it looks like you're in your second year, almost tracking towards 160, 200K this year, which is mm-hmm. awesome. What is having that level of income allowed you to invest in or enjoy? Um, travel's a big one. Um, I think like you, I like to get on a, a plane <laughs> as often as possible. <laughs> um, so that's, yeah. That's a, that's a biggie to be able to, to go to work towards, you know, having a month off in the middle of the year, getting out of Melbourne in the winter, all that kind of stuff. And also just having like a, a financial plan for the future, like being able to live comfortably and put a chunk of my income aside to go, well, maybe the industry is going to change next year or my work's going to change or circumstances are going to change. 
and I'm ready for that. That and that kind of financial security is like I don't know. I was going to say money can't buy it, but that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, money money does buy that in a way. Yeah, which is part yeah, of what yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't think I ever want to be earning a million dollars. I think where I am now is is a really nice spot where I can live comfortably. I can save and invest a little bit, but I don't feel like I've got the golden handcuffs where, you know, I don't have two cars and three houses and I don't have to work myself to the bone to maintain it. You know, I don't have kids at private school and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable and very lucky to be where I am. Okay, fantastic. Mm-hmm. So do you have a key to success or any kind of fundamental belief that you think helped you to get to this level? I think the key is really simple. I think it's just be a good person. Be, there's, there will be thousands of people who can do your job, basically. Have the skills that you have in one way or another, but be the person that your clients want to work with. Be the one that, that is always the top of the list to call. Like be responsible and responsive. Do a good job. Be, be a nice person to have around. It's not that hard. <laughs> I love it. Old school golden rule. Fantastic. Oh, okay. it's, I mean, it's it's an old school golden rule for a reason. For a reason. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Is there anything else you wish someone would have told you five years ago or a piece of advice you would pass along to somebody else just starting out? Oh, gosh. Um, so much. Um, <laughs> just... Try not to listen to the imposter syndrome. Try and try and like hone in on what you do best. Like really, and, and it'll be different to what everyone else does in a way. Um, get a business structure, like get, a, get an accountant, get even like an online accounting software. I use um, like FreshBooks because it puts kind of a layer between myself and the client when it comes to paying invoices mm-hmm. and stuff. And that, that just... Well, it simplifies things, of course, but it just kind of makes you seem more like a business, which means you'll act more like a business, which means your client will, you know, respect you as a business. Um, oh, gosh, what else? Ask smart people dumb questions. Like, ask oh, like people in your industry. <laughs> I stole that one from Ali Ward from her, <laughs> her podcast. But it's a, it's, it, just ask people who have been in your industry. Ask them how to do things. Ask them you know, how to find things, ask them, ask them dumb questions. I love it. I love it when people, I'm putting myself in the smart person shoes, <laughs> but I love it when people ask me dumb questions because it's, it's so nice to be able to help people. Awesome. And on that note, if anybody wants to ask you a question after they see this awesome interview and see what you've been up to, what's the best way for them to find you on the interwebs or get in contact? Um, yeah, absolutely. Happy to, happy to help. Um, my website is uh, com, which is S-A-R-R-U-D-D-E-N-K-L-A-U.com. Um, my contact details are on there. Shoot me an email, send me a text, anything. Yep. Happy to help. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being open about your journey and the success you are experiencing. It's been awesome to learn about what you've been up to. And yeah, I hope everybody reaches out if they got some questions. So appreciate your time, Star. Thanks, Katrina. Absolutely.